Welcome to Agents of Nothing, an episode-by-episode recap and analysis from the perspectives of a veteran and a new recruit. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. to our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. We are your commanding officers. I'm Mariah. And I'm Caroline. And today we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 4, Face My Enemy. So Mariah, how was your week? Um, well, I spent most of it recovering from COVID, which sucked. And has us way behind schedule for getting these episodes out. But I got a new job that I'm very excited about. And I'm supposed to go and, like, sign and fill out all the paperwork. Uh, on Monday. Is that tomorrow? That's tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, that's tomorrow, dude. As of recording, it is Sunday night, and I don't know what day it is. (laughs) Um, So tomorrow, I was planning on going and filling out the paperwork and signing everything. Uh, So after that is probably, like, when I'll talk about it more openly. Yeah. It's not like it's, like, some huge exciting announcement like i'm not fucking i'm not like taylor swift's new assistant (laughs) but like you you i you never know what could happen between now and what i'm supposed to start and i've been burned before so i'd rather play my cards close to my chest (laughs) until it's a little more solid it is a personal achievement though and i'm really happy for you yes (laughs) so how was your week uh my week's been pretty bad actually um (laughs) uh there's been a lot of personal stuff and like family stuff going on so suffice to say it's been very heavy and now we can move on (laughs) yeah well hopefully this will lighten the mood yes i'm really excited about this episode yeah so uh this episode was written by drew z greenberg Ooh. and it was directed by kevin tancherowen <gasps> kevin yeah the brother oh nice <laughs> um it was originally titled i will face my enemy Ooh. But I I like the shortened version. Yeah, they were like that's too long. Quite a bit better. I love <laughs> I love the like the double entendre is flawless. Love it. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. This episode was the first of the series to be directed by Kevin Tancherowen, who is the brother of showrunner Marissa Tancherowen. Nice. A little bit of a little bit of nepotism. Never hurt anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe some people actually. He's actually. I think he's. <laughs> I think he's, from what I've researched and and seen in uh, my preparation for this episode, he's very accomplished on his own. So, you know, we love a talented (laughs) family. I don't know know who their dad is. That's another story. Uh, But (laughs) they're very talented, (laughs) both of them. Wonderful. So who do we meet in this episode? Um, So I'm pretty sure the only new characters that we meet are the priest and the bishop. And I... Doubt we'll ever see them again, but I do have a headcanon that they are lovers. So, that's all. <laughs> I think the priest was, you know, making some goo-goo eyes. He was very, oh, like, yeah. starstruck. It was very bishop. fruity. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> there, was some, there was some homoerotic tension. Oh, for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> now that we've blasphemed a little, let's, yeah, let's yeah. get in. Okay, so we open on a church in Miami called Santa Maria de las Flores. It has been burned down recently. A bishop pulls up in a car and he speaks to the priest there and asks to see the damage. My first thought here and what I wrote in my notes was, Your Grace? (laughs) What kind of priest gets referred to as Your Grace? And then um, I looked it up after, and you're apparently supposed to call bishops that when addressing this. And you would think that I would know that. But honestly... My family is so weirdly casual with all the priests and, like, religious clergy that we know. Yeah. I mean, like, I grew up next door to the church we went to. Mm-hmm. So my parents would get buddy-buddy with the priests that were there. And I can recall more than one occasion where I, like, woke up and came out of my room for breakfast. And our priest was just there, <laughs> sitting at our table, eating cereal, talking to my parents. Hello, Father. <laughs> <laughs> Father and father. It was like, oh, hey, Father Ben. I'm like, with my like morning breath and bedhead, I'm like, hey, Father Ben, how you doing? And like, my sister and her family, Daphne's mom, for the listeners, are literally on a cruise with their priest friend right now. They all went to 
to Rome together. <laughs> of course they did. And I went to elementary school with my mom's priest. So, like, I don't know if being, like, weirdly friendly with your priest is a small town thing or if my family's just weird. I have never once referred to religious clergy as your grace. Yeah. I feel like all the priests that I knew and, like, bishops that I knew growing up, it was always very casual. So I wonder if that's, like, a Louisiana thing or, like, southern thing or something. Yeah, I don't know. But it's it's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so the only item in the church that wasn't damaged by the fire was a 1500s painting of Mary and Jesus. And this is great news. A miracle, some might say, that could help them get the funds that they'll need to rebuild their church. The bishop says they'll just need someone to verify the painting's origin. And then the priest gets a little nervous now. And I was like, is it, (laughs) did you plant it there? (laughs) Because that would be (laughs) very, that would track for the Catholic Church. (laughs) But anyway, so he gets nervous and then he turns the painting around. And on the back are the obelisk symbols, the obelisk symbols. I do love the Catholic imagery. It took me... A long time after deconstructing to swing back around to loving the Catholic aesthetic again. But I got there. <laughs> I got there. It is, it's, it is certainly um, a statement, you know? <laughs> anyway, so on South Beach, Florida, Hunter is on a date. And as he's making out with the girl, he and Skye run a little tag team pickpocket scheme on her. Skye's like, the rabbit is in the hutch. <laughs> Is that what we're calling it now? Disgusting. Is that what the kids call it these days? <laughs> that's only that's the only thing I'm gonna call it from now on. Sky brings the lanyard back to the bus on her little scooter and then hands it off to Trip. The woman was Gabriel Soto's executive assistant. They're trying to get tickets to some event which costs twenty-five thousand dollars each. Jesus. I hate rich people. What? <laughs> Right? Like, that's my rent for, like, two and a half years, if I did the math right, which I probably didn't. Just (laughs) insane. So Skye hacks her way to a little five-finger discount and lets Mac know so Coulson can head into the event. Mac is apparently gunning for Coulson's permission to let him work on Lola, but Coulson said, fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) I love Mac. Mechanic extraordinaire. I do love, like, their character building on this show is so, like, they do it so well. Because, like, he said one line, and it tells you so much about the character. Yeah. And it's, like, it's cute. It's endearing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's very clever writing. They're very talented. <laughs> it's a very talented family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Anyway, so then May gets out of the car in the sparkliest dress I've ever seen, and she looks stunning. My God. She looks incredible in this episode. For real. She looks amazing. Coulson is excited to wear cufflinks, but May says, I will give you $500 (laughs) right now for a pair of flats. And, like, May, you fight and, like, do gymnastics in high-heeled boots every single day. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) So as May and Coulson enter the party, Skye reveals that they're there for the painting. And I'd love to know how they found out about it, because as Hunter learned from Bridget, the painting hasn't been verified yet, and there's no way the church would have talked about the markings on the back until they were forced to by the verifier. So that was confusing. (laughs) Hunter says that Bridget whispered the information into his ear, if you know what I mean. And Coulson says, yes, everyone on the planet knows what you mean, Hunter. (laughs) Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe, like, Sky said in the in the season premiere that she's been scanning every corner of the internet for any mention of the weird writings, markings. So I wonder if it came up in that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm very interested to know how it came up. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. So Sky questions Coulson's decision to only have two agents there, apparently yet again. And Coulson is exasperated by this, and he shuts her down a little harshly. Um, and then we hear May laughing for the first time, and everyone thinks she's <laughs> dying. <laughs> and May clearly hates it, despite her radiant smile. I love Ming's laugh so much. Oh my god, it was so cute. It just strikes joy into my cold little heart. You know when people like describe somebody's laugh as like bells ringing? 
I feel like I finally understand that now. (laughs) Her laugh is, like, infectious. Like, it makes you want to start laughing, too. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Coulson decides to turn off their comms at that point and only contact the team if they need something, to Sky's dismay. Then he and May start dancing, which apparently they learned from taking a dance elective class at the academy that May dropped after two weeks while simultaneously checking out the security situation. So the iconic dress that Ming-Na Wen wears in this episode, costume designer, only had 10 days notice to make a dress that was appropriate for both dancing and fighting. Duplicates also had to be made for Maya Stojin and Ming-Na's two stunt doubles. So Anne explained that she decided to do a wrap dress so that she could easily dance. It already had a slit sort of built into it, so that gave her freedom of movement. The goal is always to make sure that the actors are comfortable in their costumes, that they can move freely and do their stunts, and that nothing is too restrictive, and that they also look amazing at the same time. Ah! (laughs) The dress also needed long sleeves so that she could have pads on underneath the dress for when she was fighting. And then, of course, she's got the crazy fight where she's fighting herself. She needed serious freedom of movement in that dress, so we built panels that had stretch and put them in several areas on her arms and her sides so that it moved with her as she punched herself. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's so cool. Ten days? That's insane. I know. What I have learned like preparing for this episode is that the turnaround for these episodes was so ridiculously quick. Really? They finished shooting and then two weeks after it airs. Stop. I'm like, there is no margin for error there. Like you can't fall behind at all. That's what insane. The fuck? Whoa. Man, costume designers are amazing. For real. <laughs> this this whole show, like, God, this episode is so fucking iconic. When I tell you, it is so fucking iconic. <laughs> and, like, so obviously, so much effort went into it. And I love it. Okay, continue. <laughs> okay, uh, so Coulson wants to keep reminiscing with her, but May wants to stick to the present day. So she asks him directly about his hand. It was trembling during their whole flight. While the rest of the team doesn't know how personal this mission is for Coulson, May is prepared to pull the plug if it becomes too much for him at any point. Coulson wants to take the opportunity to speak with May about a contingency plan for if Coulson starts going crazy like Garrett did. But May doesn't want to think about that, except that then they see that Talbot has joined the party. There goes their cover. (laughs) Coulson goes to speak with Talbot alone on the mezzanine, and Talbot is mostly friendly with a threatening undertone. (laughs) He says that he won't blow Coulson's cover unless he needs to. My note here was... Wait, holy shit, Talbot, I just remembered the twist. (laughs) It was a good twist. (laughs) Um, So Hunter and Mac arrive back at the bus. Trip is just a little salty that Hunter got to go on a date with a beautiful woman as part of the mission while he had to babysit an empty plane. (laughs) And Hunter's like, I don't know, women just like me, I guess. Always have. And goddammit, (laughs) part of me is like, well, fuck, now I can't like him. But then part of me is like, I'm every woman. (laughs) Do you see now why he grates on me? Yes, but it's because I like him and I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so Skye mocks Hunter into telling the story of his first marriage again when Coulson turns on the comms again and tells the team that Talbot is there. So to avoid blowing their cover, they're going to blow their cover and just take the painting out. (laughs) Um, May starts hardcore flirting with, I assume, Gabriel Soto, which I guess I should have included that guy in the character list, but I forgot about him. He's just unmemorable. He's decidedly less important than the priest and the bishop. Yes. (laughs) Obviously. Um, So the team is shocked as they listen in. They've never seen this side of May, and May's like, I'm all about giving. (laughs) This is a family show, May. (laughs) (laughs) And then the security guys beside them are, like, rolling their eyes. <laughs> I I was a little, like, disappointed that um, there wasn't a translation when they were speaking Spanish. I know. Because I was, I wanted to, like, I low-key wanted to look up if there was a translation, but I didn't. But, like, I wanted to know what they were saying. Mm-hmm. Was she, like, fully dirty talking in Spanish on, on prime television? <laughs> That would be hilarious. 
Anyway, so she tells him that they must get a picture to remember the evening. And she calls Coulson over. And Soto is like, this is your husband? And May's like, we're modern. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm, I'm living for polyamorous Belinda. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so Coulson pretends to have trouble finding the flash as he zooms in to take a close-up shot of Soto's eyes. They see Talbot pointing at them, and so they hurry to leave the interaction. They head downstairs to the guarded vault. Coulson just says, yo, (laughs) and then knocks the guard out. (laughs) Yo. (laughs) Um, And May's like, I could have handled him. (laughs) Coulson's like, I did. (laughs) This episode's so funny. It's so... Oh, God. Um, so they get past the retina scanner that unlocks the elevator, not a vault, and then they head down to a hallway to a room blocked by a laser grid. As Coulson prepares to James Bond his way around the lasers, <laughs> May just walks on through because they already know that we're here. <laughs> and Coulson is so disappointed. <laughs> it's so funny. I love that. I wanted to see him like backhand sprint his way through the I know. I love grid like Kim Possible style. Yes. I loved him like preparing and just like knowing that he was not gonna do it was excellent. But the painting isn't there. Apparently, Talbot already took it earlier that morning. Although, why he's still there, we don't know yet. Except that he's on the phone with Hydra to tell them that S.H.I.E.L.D. is there. Fuck. (laughs) God damn it, Talbot. (laughs) Ah, I love this show. It's so twisty. It's so twisty. So May and Coulson wait out the security guards who are swarming the whole place. As they wait, May says everything's going wrong and we're outmanned and outgunned. So you must be happy because this feels just like the old days. (laughs) Coulson tries to take the opportunity to talk about a contingency plan again, but May just interrupts and says that they're clear and starts running. As they run out to the street, Talbot is waiting to blind them with his headlights. Okay, that was rude. (laughs) So rude. (laughs) Talbot offers to work together to figure out what the writing on the back of the painting means. Coulson agrees, even though May doesn't like it. Talbot gives him an hour to check in with the team and make preparations, and then he wants Coulson to meet him at his hotel downtown. Talbot drives away, and May says that she'll figure out what Talbot's up to. She says it'll make up for the dancing, which she did not like at all. Well, maybe a little. (laughs) (laughs) So back on the bus, Skye is trying to look more into their mission while everyone else watches. Bunch of nosy bastards. (laughs) The conversation turns again towards exes. Hunter says that his marriage didn't work because interspecies relationships are hard. I'm a human, and she was a demonic hell beast. Wow. I can't stand him. (laughs) Sky says, at least you could get away from your ex. The guy I had a crush on is now the psycho living in our basement. Tell him, Sky. (laughs) And Mac, lovely Mac, he says, wish I could relate. All my exes are awesome. And I love that he feels that way. <laughs> um, even if he did pretend to like quinoa for a year, is that really so bad? Like Small potatoes. I think that's okay. Fitz is watching them, and imaginary Simmons shows up again and encourages him to join their bonding session. But Fitz just walks away, and The Outside by Taylor Swift starts playing. Been there, Fitz. Yeah. So at the hotel, May sneaks up and unlocks Talbot's door with her bracelet. She peeks in and sees Agent 33 messing with Hydra files. May barges in and brings Agent 33 to her knees before asking where Talbot is. Talbot then shows up behind May and the fight ensues. May pulls off Talbot's mask like a fucking Scooby-Doo villain, but then Agent 33 tases her and she falls. And then British Hydra guy stands up and says, clearly Coulson doesn't trust Talbot. Fucking duh. Keep in mind that most recently they didn't know who was leading S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yeah. They really are, like, learning as they go. That's true. The nanomask tech used by Hydra to impersonate others is also used in Captain America the Winter Soldier by Black Widow. Ooh. Yeah. That's interesting. (laughs) Exactly, Chip. I know, buddy. That's what I was thinking, too. I'm so glad you said it so I didn't have to. Okay. Um, So they say that they need to send someone in that Coulson does trust. (laughs) He's so dramatic. 
They say that they need to send someone in that Coulson does trust. So while May is unconscious, they use her DNA to create a new high-tech mask for Agent 33 to wear. And Fake May calls Coulson to locate him and to rush him. Then Fake May heads out to go get him while Real May is on the floor in her slip dress. God, this episode is so iconic. Mingna is such a queen playing two different characters. So this is one of the fun facts that I was really excited about. Mm-hmm. I did I did quite a bit of digging on this one. Ooh. So on May's phone, she has contacts, like her recent calls, of her mom, Leanne May, uh, Nat, which is, that's how she's listed in her phone, which is Natasha Romanoff, Black Widow, uh, someone named Jay Larner, which is a reference to James Larner, who was a minor character in the comics, Agent 60, who, uh, Kurt, Agent 60 is Kuro Chin, a character from the comics who was a double agent, and helped Captain America infiltrate the Ashanka. Lieutenant Stone, who is Lieutenant Marcus Stone, an NYPD officer from the comics. Uh, Someone named Miyu. I couldn't find, like, a solid Easter egg for this one, like, a solid reference. Um, It could be either a reference to the Marvel Interactive Universe video game franchise, which also might not even be real. I think it's a concept made up by fans of what they would like to see in terms of Marvel video games. It was very confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Or... It's a reference to a character in Blade Runner. Or it's just someone named Miu. <laughs> Maybe. Burke, who is Edward Burke, which is interesting, because why does she have a villain in her phone? He is a Marvel comic villain with what seems like only one appearance. He worked for the City Bank of New York City in the 1930s. He was caught embezzling money, and a number of his colleagues testified against him, and he went to jail for 10 years. And then when he got off in on parole, he, like, put on the illusion of going straight by becoming an actor and he learned how to like use makeup to change his appearance and then in disguise he began killing the people who testified against him one by one. Oh my god which like I want to read this story why yeah. is this only one comic I need a whole novel about this man that's amazing <laughs> I love that um, so <laughs> S. Johnson is another one uh, that could be a minor character named Sally Johnson from the comics or it could be an easter egg for something yet to come oh. and M. Huff who is Margaret Huff a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and Nick Fury's former secretary in the comics Bell, which is a reference to Jeffrey Bell, executive producer of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Wu, who, Jimmy Wu, who was a character in the comics but hadn't appeared in the MCU yet. You'll remember him from WandaVision. I know that's probably the only thing you've seen him in. But yeah, this was before his first appearance. And Lieutenant Crouch, which is a reference to Joe Crouch, a member of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s art department. That's so cool. I love I love, I love the details. Like they yeah. could have just put random names in there, but they put they put little Easter eggs and details. Yeah. So good. Because they knew that people were gonna pause it and look for them. So on the bus, Fitz is downstairs feeling lonely. Imaginary Simmons tries to talk him into trying to talk to the rest of the team again. She says, just tell them what they're thinking, how you're feeling. And he says, yeah, because that worked out so well before. And I'm assuming that he means when he told Simmons how he felt about her. And like, I can see where there might be some PTSD from that. But there were also (laughs) like a lot of other factors that led to that situation ending so badly. So (laughs) yeah, but when you're in it, you know, yeah. But Fitz is feeling completely forgotten by the rest of the team. He doesn't feel like they consult him on anything anymore, including building a new lab and turning his and Simmons' sacred space into a new garage. Fucking boo! I hate that. I do wonder if they had to coach Ian and Elizabeth to say garage in, as opposed to garage. Yeah. <laughs> or how do... How do they say it? Garage. I can't. They say garage. Why do I forget like everything? Yeah. They say either garage or like garage. And regardless, <laughs> every time I want to talk about their accents, I fucking forget how to pronounce things. <laughs> I even like spelled it out like phonetically, <laughs> and I still whatever. Okay. But regardless, I I notice sometimes that their pronunciation is like decidedly American. 
on words I know would be pronounced differently in their accents. Yeah. So I feel like they're kind of like dumbing it down for the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. Like no one's going to know what the fuck they're talking about if they say aluminium. (laughs) Or we're going to assume people are going to assume that they're saying it wrong. And then be like, yeah. I thought they were smart. It's same as like the, the uh, second grade thing last yeah. season. Right. Fitz even feels like Ward is treated as more valuable than he is. Because at least Ward can speak in full sentences. That one made me cry. Maybe. As Imaginary Simmons is trying to convince Fitz that they would see that he's just as capable as he's always been if he could just let them in again, Fake May struts in and asks for Coulson. Fitz points her upstairs. Oh no. Fake May is extremely rude to Skye um, when she interrupts their meeting and calls for Coulson. And I mean, I know May can be a little short sometimes, but damn. <laughs> uh, she convinces Coulson to trust Fake Talbot and they immediately head out. But not before Fake May throws a little spy thing on the uh, motherboard or whatever. I don't know. They're going to steal some computer shit or something. (laughs) So real May wakes up tied to a chair in the hotel room while British Hydra guy interrogates her about S.H.I.E.L.D. God, that lingerie on May, I am looking respectfully. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yep. But I do think, like... It's very tasteful. I've kind of been wanting to start wearing more, like, slip dresses, like, slip lingerie, but I'm always afraid of it, like, bunching up underneath. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) Anyway, so when she doesn't immediately give up any information, and I mean, like, did y'all do any research on her at all? No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, He threatens to have her brainwashed by Whitehall, and then he pulls some wires out of the light fixture in the ceiling, and I guess he's going to start electrocuting her. (laughs) But, like, this is Melissa. (laughs) Melissa? Whoa. Melissa. This is Melinda goddamn May we're dealing with. Like, she hasn't been tortured for information before. Give me a break. So, of course, there's a goof to dunk on. Of course. Bakshi removes a light fixture from the ceiling in the hotel room where he's threatening May. There are only two wires where there should be three, hot, neutral, and browned, according to code. Additionally, the first or at most second time he touched the wires together... It would have tripped a breaker, thus discontinuing the electrical circuit. <laughs> I I put this in just to say, fucking imagine Bakshi trying to be intimidating, and the minute he touches the wires together, the power just goes out. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, that would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> that didn't go the way you thought it was going to go, huh, buddy? <laughs> How embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so fake May is driving Coulson to meet fake Talbot. Coulson takes this opportunity to ask May about the other plan. And damn, she is smooth. She assuages all of the fears that he brings up and just agrees to do everything that he asks. Take him out if necessary. Become the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. if Coulson is gone, etc. And then she grabs his hand and smiles and thanks him for his trust. And I feel like that blew her cover, but he didn't say anything yet. He just looks at her. I do like how she is smooth. Mm -hmm. Like, she's responding how a normal person that's close to someone maybe would. Yeah. But I do like that the fact that she is assuaging all his fears, agreeing to do everything he asks, and then touching his hand and smiling at him and being sweet. None of those are things that May would do. (laughs) He's like, who the fuck are you? Why aren't you being mean to me? Um, so back in the control room, Fitz is hovering in the doorway while the rest of the team is busy. But then the power shuts off all of a sudden and comes back on and the plane starts to seal all of its own exits. Fuck she! <laughs> Stop fucking with the wires! <laughs> <laughs> so Fitz immediately sees the device that fake May put on the plane and is able to get across to everyone that he recognizes this tech and that the plane is going to explode soon. Coulson and fake May step out of the elevator of the hotel. I knew she blew her own cover. Coulson tests her by asking her out for a cup of coffee. Fake May says yes, and Coulson punches her directly in the face. 
<laughs> and says, May hates coffee. <laughs> um, Real May's torture is interrupted as British Hydra guy hears the fighting outside the hotel door. As he goes to the door, Real May escapes her bonds and attacks him, screaming. You know it. (laughs) So on the bus, Fitz is explaining the computer virus to everyone and how it works and how to fix it. He gets a lot of help from them on coming up with the word that he's thinking of, and I'm so glad they can all work together again. (laughs) That warms my heart. Yes. Um, so as always, Colson's fight scene one-liners make me laugh. He goes, I lied. Working with you, whoever you are, not that fun. But then real May comes out of the hotel room and the fight with herself ensues, to which Colson says, I can't believe I'm the only one seeing this right now. <laughs> God, May fighting herself in that dress and in lingerie. I know. Iconic. So. This episode is so iconic. Legendary. Like, I think it, I think I can probably classify it as one of my favorite episodes. So, the climactic fight between both of Ming-Na Wen's characters was realized through choreographed stunt work and CGI. The crew worked even harder than usual to meet the standards of director Kevin Tancherowen following his acclaimed action work on Mortal Kombat Legacy, uh, including the stunt team and the costume and set designers who worked to accommodate the fight. That's interesting. Because I think I made a comment on that later. <laughs> yeah, in like the next paragraph, you talk about not liking the fight choreography. <laughs> and I feel the opposite. That's funny. That's <laughs> like, this director literally worked on Mortal Kombat, Caroline. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was one punch that just looked really bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. It was one okay. punch. Okay. That I could forgive, but I'm like, really? The whole time? You didn't the whole no, thing? most of it really? was fine. Most of it was fine. It was just a fight too. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> I thought it was excellent. Uh anyway, so yeah, so uh British Hydra guy runs out with the painting, so Colson goes after him while Maze while the Maze handle their own shit. And <laughs> <laughs> And I said, Read it as you wrote it. <laughs> I'm sure it's very difficult to make a realistic fight choreography while also body doubling to have the same actor fighting themselves. But those punches looked so bad. <laughs> <laughs> There's one where oh. she like goes through them. Like, never mind. <laughs> so the episode, like the others in the series, was shot over eight days with the May versus May fight being shot over three of those eight days. Oh, wow. One 16-hour day, a half day, and a quarter day. Oh, my God. Yeah. I could never be a fucking actor. I, I wanted to when I was younger, and I'm so glad my parents, like, were like, mm, no, I, mm, I, we're not going to move to Hollywood, Mariah. <laughs> I think you're good. <laughs> Um, in preparation for the fight, both Ming and her stunt double, Samantha Joe, had to learn both May and Agent 33's actions. And Joe explained that usually you only have to learn one side, so you can just drill that into your head and have that muscle memory and be good to go. But for this fight, for both Ming and myself, we had to learn both sides of the fight. And we knew on the day we were filming that we'd have to be changing our wardrobe back and forth. So we'd be going to one side of the fight to the other side of the fight, back to the other side, and we just wanted to make sure we were safe about it. Because if we spaced out and started doing the other side again, we didn't want anyone to get hurt. So that's why we trained together. We were doing two sessions twice a week, anywhere from two to five hours at Ming's house, just trying to get as physically ready and as mentally ready as possible. But thankfully, we'd already done so many episodes together by that point that we were super comfortable and we know each other's body movements. That's cool. That is cool. That's something that, like, I wouldn't think about in terms of, like, fight choreography. Like, it didn't, somehow it didn't occur to me that if you mess up, you could accidentally actually punch someone or actually kick someone. Like, you could actually hurt someone. It's not like a dance (laughs) where it's like, oh, missed a step. It's like, oh, no, accidentally punched you in the head. (laughs) Oops, accidentally gouged your eyes out. My bad. (laughs) 
God, that was an escalation. Sorry. <laughs> uh, moving on. Um, so on the bus, Fitz and Hunter, Fitz and Hunter had to keep the wings and fuel tanks from exploding. Fitz would do it himself, but his brain injury doesn't only affect his ability to speak. It also affects his motor skills and muscle memory. So he needs someone else to be his hands. Coulson finally catches up to British Hydra guy and shoots him, assumedly with an icer. Um, just as British Hydra guy was calling for backup and an extraction team. The Maze are still fighting, and oh my god, <laughs> May's kangaroo kick was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> May finally knocks out May with a super cool fake-out slow-mo flip, and I love that. <laughs> this is like the one time I'm more interested in the fight scene than the other plot going on simultaneously. <laughs> like... I love you, Fitz, but God, you can't compete. (laughs) So fight choreographer Matt Mullins found that to choreograph a fight is constantly trying to be open to doing things differently and making things creative as possible. Any sequence that you ever do, it doesn't matter if it's two punches or 50 punches, the same amount of danger is always there. In order to make something look organic and real, the performers and stunt performers have got to punch each other as hard as they can. Both of us, myself and Sam, we worked with Kevin Tancherowen on Mortal Kombat, so we knew the level that the director was wanting. So we both felt every piece had to be awesome, because he's known for putting together amazing sequences that are both unique and hard-hitting. And Samantha Joe said, trying to come up with things people haven't seen before. There have been so many action movies and so many Marvel movies. You're constantly wanting to set the bar higher and higher, and it feels like the moves that are even possible just get narrower and narrower, because they've been done before. For. And then Kevin Tancherowen later reflected that everyone really liked the May versus May fight. And so he and the stunt team would use it as a benchmark to overcome when designing action sequences for future episodes. Wow. So like, we got to top this, you guys. Yeah. These are some, you were, you got some good fun facts for this episode. <laughs> I know there, it, there was some juicy ones. Like there was a lot to work with. I loved it. Yeah. Um, so Fitz and Hunter are working together, but it's slow going. And God, I feel like Ian and Nick were just like riffing during the scene. <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> They're like, no, we're not done. We have to do the wires. Okay, does this go here? No, God, no. <laughs> to the left, to the right. And now the plane is fixed. <laughs> and his smile. I love the smile. <laughs> the, the, okay, the one redeeming factor about Hunter is his relationship with Fitz. That's the only <laughs> time I like him is when the two of them are together. Um, so Coulson grabs the painting and then here's Hydra responding to British Hydra guy that there's an extraction team two minutes out. So he runs back to May. The Mays are still fighting. Fake May has real May pinned and is trying to convince real May to surrender. And again, do y'all know her at all? <laughs> and she says, the best part about killing you is that I won't have to be you anymore. And real May says, if you were really me, you wouldn't talk so much. <laughs> and then electrocutes the shit out of her. <laughs> And then Coulson shows up and they head out just as the extraction team is leaving the elevator. So stunt coordinator Tanner Gill explained that the hotel in which the fighting takes place was designed specifically with the fights in mind. Mm. So they built that set thinking about how, I mean, the two actors fighting are, they're going to be in dresses. Right. There's a lot of skin exposed and there's not a lot of room for padding like there would usually be in these like heavy stunt scenes. Yeah. So they built the set to be like as minimally dangerous as, as possible. Yeah. Um, so he said, the basic environment of the fight had to be constructed to be stunt friendly. The space was tailored. Each corner was rounded. Surfaces were measured for height and size then padded. And elaborating on this, fight choreographer Matt Mullins said, the main fight starts in a hallway and then we move into a penthouse okay we have a hallway and a penthouse what can we do with that are we going to crash into some walls are we going to go into a kitchen we see what we would get in terms of props we take into consideration what the actors do move wise in our case ming is exceptionally talented so we can do a lot of different martial arts movement with her 
I just love the the thought and the preparation that goes into this. Yeah. I know it's their job, and like this is what you should expect from a good TV show. But I just feel like it, that's not always what you get, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And a major effect that was required throughout the episode was face replacements, especially during the fight. Um, all the effects were completed in the two weeks between the filming and the airing of the episode. Are you? joking Two that's insane fucking week i like whoa what props to the editors hell yeah <laughs> can Jesus. someone who knows tv stuff tell me if that was or is like a common thing in television that quick turnaround because like i always thought that like they'd be months ahead you know yeah when when i i always figured like when a season starts airing they're, like, filming the mid-season finale. Yeah. And, like, they're still filming while the season's airing, but it's, like, the back half. Right. But, like, two weeks? That's Like, crazy. you're fucking... You're filming this while, like, episode two is airing. Like, what? <laughs> Literally, that's crazy. Ming-Na Wen said, Kevin Tancherowin directed the episode, and he's amazing with his directing with the Mortal Kombat series. So we had this really complicated sequence where we do this 360, and it reveals me, and it reveals me again, and there's no cut. And you wonder how that happens in one of the fight sequences. And that's because they completely scanned and CGI'd my face onto the stunt double. So there's a tremendous amount of work that went into the fight scenes, and we did not have a lot of time to do it. She also elaborated that on the day of, you have the set and you have the cameras and you have to deal with special effects because on top of everything else, we had to scan my face and go through this incredible process of taking a million pictures so they were able to meld it onto Sam's face. Wow. There's so many moving parts, yeah. but like what's really getting me is the turnaround. <laughs> yes, exactly. Fuck. I guess, I guess the way that that's accomplished is either overworking your employees or having a lot of employees. One of the two, <laughs> maybe both. <laughs> I mean, Marvel has come under fire for the first one recently, so I don't know if it was different back then. Maybe it was different when they weren't completely taken over by Disney. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But props to that post-production team. Fucking hell yeah. <laughs> It's so good. Anyway, so back on the bus, Fitz is doing sciency things. Mac offers to help, but Fitz is trying to retrain his hands. So then Hunter comes in and says, drop everything. To which Fitz says, this is worth a fortune. I am not dropping it. <laughs> New BFF alert! <laughs> Fitz taking things too literally. Yes! <laughs> Hunter has brought a few beers for them to celebrate surviving one more time. Fitz starts to decline, and Hunter says, Fitz, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. Please, let me buy you a beer. Fitz gets some <laughs> silent encouragement from imaginary Simmons and accepts. He finally opens up and tells them what he wanted to add to the earlier conversation about exes, and says that there was a girl that he liked, but she didn't feel the same way, so she left. Not what happened, babes, but I'm glad you're bonding. <laughs> Hunter and Mac are a little stunned for a second, but then they tell him that it's her loss and have a toast to moving on, which is a very sweet moment. <laughs> I mean, I, I get, I'm sure that's what he feels like happened. You know, like, when are you ever thinking clearly after a heartbreak? Yeah, I just want to give him a hug. You sort of create your own narrative in situations like that, especially, I mean, he's had a traumatic brain injury. Yeah. And on top of that, he sort of had his heart broken a little bit. Like, not a full breakup, but just no elaboration on that. Right. You know? A little bit of a friend breakup, and those hurt, too. Those hurt just as bad. Yeah. He kind of got ghosted a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Trip goes to check on Skye, who is secretly looking up the super special painting, but she won't tell Trip anything about it or let him help. Somebody be Trip's friend! <laughs> he was so sweet. I know he misses uh, Simmons, too. She was his friend. Um, so Coulson and May zoom with the real Tabit and tell him what Hydra did, impersonating him. Wait, can I interject? Yeah. I think it's so funny that the colloquial colloquialism colloquial jesus yeah the colloquialism <laughs> used to be like for for video calls it used to be skype yeah like oh you're skyping someone and then it was facetime and now it's zoom i yeah that's like hilarious. no matter what you're using to 
to be on a video call. Someone's like, oh, I'm in a Zoom meeting. And people just know what you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, so Colson and May Zoom with the real Talbot and tell him what Hydra did impersonating him. And Talbot's like, I did what now? For a painting? And you didn't immediately think it wasn't me? <laughs> and Colson, <laughs> Colson's like, to be fair, we're not that close. <laughs> Fuck, he's so funny. He could be an art connoisseur. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Coulson lies and tells Talbot that the painting was destroyed, and it probably wasn't worth as much as Hydra thought. They just wanted to let Talbot know about Hydra's new mask tech, since they can impersonate anyone with that, and that is super dangerous. Scary as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Talbot says, you know, I once spent six months in an enemy war camp. You people make me miss those days. And then Coulson hangs up on him so Talbot can't triangulate his location. <laughs> um, May and Coulson discuss the issue of the painting. Not only do they know that Hydra is searching for the alien writing as well, they also know that while the painting is 500 years old, the writing was new. This means that there is someone else out there who is carving this language just like Coulson is, and they need to find this person before Hydra does. Then May asks Coulson how, sh- how he knew that the imposter wasn't her. Colson says she wanted to get coffee. And May is like, uh, you punch her in the face? <laughs> Colson's like, yep. <laughs> I love their friendship. <laughs> um, so May starts to leave and Colson stops her to ask again about the contingency plan. May plops a duffel bag in front of him. It's full of passports and money. She says, I don't need to make a plan because I already have one. I will never shoot you in the head. If things go south, I will get you out. She says it'll be to a cabin in the Australian outback. And Coulson says, because I like kangaroos. (laughs) I love love how well they know each other. They take care of each other so well. (laughs) Chip is crying with you. I know. How sweet. I mean, worst case scenario, a fucking jacked-ass kangaroo can knock Coulson around a little bit, and then it'll be all better. For real. (laughs) Like, have you seen those things? (laughs) They're terrifying. Um, (laughs) So, Coulson thanks her for being so sweet and thoughtful. Chip's scared of kangaroos, too. I know, he is. Can you chill out for a second? We're almost done. I know okay, that you're yeah, afraid yeah. of kangaroos, you but there. you'll get through this. Lay down. And we just need to... Thank you. Okay. Oh my god, it's the kangaroo pussy. Stop. Um, so Coulson thanks May for being so sweet and thoughtful, but he wants to... <laughs> Sorry, Stop. we're having a kiss break. <laughs> Caroline, Caroline's dog is aggressively kissing her. <laughs> oh, Okay. Colson thanks her for being so sweet and thoughtful, but he wants to know that she will kill him as ordered. He's not getting better, and he doesn't want to end up like Garrett. May begs him not to make her do this, but he finally gets her to agree, and I hate this! No! It was so sweet, and then he ruined it! (laughs) Now it's time for the post-content content! Are you so excited, Chip? Oh my god, Chip is just partying over there. (laughs) He's freaking out. Um, So Raina is getting in her car while on the phone trying to get a plane ticket immediately. That dress on Raina. I just... Women. (laughs) This was a good episode for you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Picture, uh, picture the, um, the, the little women meme of Saoirse Ronan. And it just goes, women. That's me. That's you all the time, every day. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but then a bunch of white guys in suits start showing up around her, getting in her car with her. (gasps) Fucking nightmare. Including Whitehall. Whitehall is pissed that Raina took the obelisk from him. Raina starts trying to sweet talk him, but Whitehall puts something on her hand and presses a button to force her to put her hands on the steering wheel. He then gives her lots of threats and 48 hours to bring the obelisk back to him. It was a whole lot. I mean, speaking of, like, good character building, like, just in that one scene, they really showed, like, Whitehall is not to be fucked with. Definitely. He's not Garrett. He's not, like, he is on a different level. 
and he's scary as shit. He's fucking terrifying. <laughs> All right, what are your overall thoughts? Um, so I love the Fitz storyline, and I miss Simmons, and I love the mom and dad content. Felinda. <laughs> yes, Felinda. And I have complicated feelings about Hunter. <laughs> um, my last little fun fact that didn't really fit anywhere in the episode, and I already tacked one on before. Um, so this episode pre-screened at New York Comic Con mm. on October 10th, 2014. Wow. Um, before airing in the United States on ABC on October 14th, 2014. That's cool. So, God, that's like four days... So, so they didn't have two weeks. They had until October 10th. They had 10 days. <laughs> Jesus. God. That's, oh, oh, I wow. hate it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh my God, that's almost, how many years ago? What, what year is it? That's eight years ago. Wow. That's eight years ago. It's October 9th when we're recording this right that's now. That's crazy. That's the crazy. Wow. Crazy girl. <laughs> Well, that concludes our episode on Season 2, Episode 4, Face My Enemy. If you want to keep up with us, you can follow us on TikTok at Agents of Nothing Podcast, on Twitter at Agent Nothing Pod, and on Instagram at Agents of Nothing Podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Agents of Nothing and subscribe to us for $2.99 a month for special bonus content. And you can email us at Agents of Nothing Podcast at gmail.com and we may just read it on the show. If you want to find me, Mariah, I'm on Twitter at FullSwampWitch underscore, on TikTok at Submarine Warfare, and on Instagram at Submarine Warfare. And you can follow me, Caroline, on Twitter at RustyPage95, on Instagram at underscore RustyPage, or on TikTok at CrazyGender995. Next week, we will be covering Season 2, Episode 5, A Hen in the Wolf House, so stay tuned for that. Okay, bye!